0: hey there this is story story late night the positively shameless black sheep of the storytelling family where you hear bleep worthy stories on an unblushing theme recorded live at late night we strip down to the raw truth and just like those out of work strippers we need your tips text the code storypod to 44321 this summer, we are taking sci fi themes from B movie to triple X with tales told live. During the slam, we leave space for special guests and members of our audience to share a five minute story. Get ready to visit the Forbidden Planet. Recorded on August 25th, 2020, behind the walls of the old Idaho Penitentiary, it's late night stories.
1: Um, two of the most frequently asked questions that I get at the Old Idaho Penitentiary are, do you believe in ghosts and where's the bathroom? So thank you for taking half of my job, Minerva. That's just <laughs> wonderful. And I'll get to the ghost part a little bit later. Uh, for now, I'm here to talk about uh, the, the greatest forbidden thing on our current planet, facts. We <laughs> Timely, timely. Um, we set out to create a book and of course we are historians and our number one goal is uh, to give you the facts give you the information uh we are also storytellers but if we give you the information you get to make your conclusions so on this forbidden planet of facts uh there were many uh Uh, death stars along the way, um, different uh, meteorites that came our way. Namely, the biggest uh, one was uh, working with academics, otherwise known as monsters and creatures of of facts. Um, But we we really, the main goal with this was, um, I was in a meeting and they said, well, we're going to celebrate 100 years of women's suffrage and each of our work groups with the Idaho State Historical Society, we're all gonna take on a role. And I said, I know, we'll talk about women in prison. A little bit like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, you know you're uh, on a forbidden planet uh, when someone says, that's interesting. So, the take being, of course, what happens when your rights are taken away. And so we uh, went about exploring this, our our authors, our academics came together and actually uh, sectioned off this book into different uh, crimes that occurred, and and really just getting into the the humanization of these women, um, which is odd on a different planet, uh, which, of course, at this time, we're not talking about our world, but we're talking about how we get to this world? How do you get to the place in which mass incarceration in our country uh, is skyrocketed through the roof? And so, and we wanted to take this angle of, of talking about women. Now, along the way, uh, there were illusions uh, that reveal truths, and you know, they sometimes are called lies or fibs or things like that. My illusions came in the form of that other question I always get, and that's about ghosts. I have worked here for 15 years and never had a paranormal experience until one day as I'm making this book, dedicating my heart and soul to getting this story right, I open up the site and we, uh, if you don't know, outside is where the women's ward is located. I'm unlocking the door and this sudden waft of smoke comes up. Now I'm opening the door for the day. Um, there's no one around, nobody's walking in the foothills, which I'd love to see someone walking in the foothills just smoking a cigarette. Um, I don't doubt it when there's nothing else to do right now, but. So I, w- I walk, in, there's a sudden waft of smoke, and I had this realization, or this, this kind of almost premonition of this woman, sitting there, because they were allowed to smoke, believe it or not, inside there, looking at me going, You better get it right, sweetheart. And really it was in that moment that I'm just starting to go, is that, was that it? Was that my first paranormal experience? And really, of course, you know, I'm a recovering Methodist, so I'm trying to figure this out, <laughs> put it all together. Like, what does this actually mean? Take this in. And I kid you not, I'm processing this. I go up to my office probably a couple weeks later. And we love to play tricks on each other in this forbidden world of facts. And so I see the shadow come across I'm like, you know, nice one, guys, you're not getting me here. And you know, I'm waiting for Anthony Anthony, come on. And then he comes traipsing up the stairs, which is, you know, a good 20 feet from where I'm located. I'm going, you weren't just up here? And he's like, no. And this, you know, again, I'm just thinking about the shadow. And so there's this ever presence that is just reminding me to get this story right, to get this thing right. And so again, As we walk down this mysterious path of trying to get it right, Uh, naturally one of the authors quit, Um, you know, but then we're we're going through, we're getting it right. We actually finish on time, and darn it if we didn't finish right in the first week of March. (laughs) And don't worry, because the sales are going to be great. It's spring break, right? (sighs) So we got to deal uh, with that, you know, other world moon of, uh, you know, pandemic problems. But what we did create was a world in which you can see these women for who they were in their time. You can empathize with them. You can learn more about them. And really, we found that people started coming to us with their stories. And we started hearing more and more about, well, my grandmother was here. My aunt was here. My mother was here. But don't worry, I absolutely found a way to ruin it. I reached out to a woman because I was like, you know, if I just do a little bit more research, I think this woman is connected to this, this inmate that we had. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about this inmate, and I will not use any names, mostly because I don't want to get sued. Um, She actually, it's a tragic story, you know, abusive husband. She um, is is going along writing bad checks and, and stealing, but he literally is telling her, you will do this with me, or, you know, she, she faces abuse, uh, issues of safety with her life. So she really is an unwilling participant in these crimes. And even the police, everyone acknowledges that, but of course she's still committed a crime. So she's brought here. We find out through all the, the archives and our research that she actually, um, makes this good life of herself, right? So it's this wonderful, redemptive story. And I'm like, i got to reach out to this family. I've got to know more. And I've got to let them tell this story, not me. I'm, I'm just the conduit of truth. Recovering methods, remember this. And so uh, I reach out to this woman. I write this very heartfelt letter. Let me give you a word of advice. As little information as you can start with is usually best. I sent a mugshot. I gave her every little bit of fact about this woman who I thought was her grandmother. Mind you, this happened 80 years ago. (laughs) And this woman who I reached out to, her mother, (laughs) who is in her 90s, sends me an email and tells me that I've sullied their family name. No one knew that the grandmother had been in prison. And I wanted to launch off of the planet of forbidden facts. And so what I realized, and what we do moving forward is wait for those stories to come to us and give us a few bits of information, maybe enough tantalizing information that maybe perhaps a relative of yours was housed here. Because we do want that information. We do wanna complete the circle. I didn't get fired. I'm still here, still telling people where the bathroom is. Uh, <laughs> but what we, what we know now is that since the launch of the book, we've had people as far away as Seattle, Pocatello reach out to us with their family's story. And the best one to end on, of, of course, with knowing that Minerva Jane would be here, was the story of adultery.
0: I see you know me.
1: <laughs> I've followed you closely through the years, so I have. Um, and so this family said they, they came to the site, they, they knew about the book and they wanted to seek out more information and they said, let us tell you what happened on our end. And you know, again, family comes and discovers half the family is aghast because they had the, the prohibition story. Guess what? If your relatives said they were in for prohibition, they weren't. They were probably stealing something. That's the most common story. It was oh, you know, bootlegger crime. So anyway, she's <laughs> We all need alcohol right now. (laughs) Some of you snuck it in anyway, which is great. I'm not even going to say anything. Um, (laughs) I wasn't supposed to bring it in. Um, Sorry. I don't know. Anyway, and so they tell us the story of, of, of their adulterous grandmother, and of course, we didn't have the complete story. What well, we found out, of course, she was in an abusive relationship. She had left her husband uh, many miles behind, uh, had found refuge in the arms of a very kind and gentle man, and they do actually end up marrying once she gets out of prison, and they started this beautiful, well, she had some family, but extended their family, and their, their granddaughters are reaching out to us as we speak, and actually are going to be featured in, in in uh, one of our podcasts. Um, that's my foray into the shameless planet plug. Um, but also, um, uh, you know, our, our podcast is Behind Gray Walls. The numbered book, which has some of these rich stories and w- it's telling it way better and articulating it way better than I am right now, uh, of course, is available in our gift shop. So I thank you for your time. Hopefully, we will continue on this journey to the forbidden planet of facts. <laughs> Ruth Schwartz take it
0: away
2: (laughs) my story tonight is of our forbidden pandemic world right now but it starts with a confession is my confession about my pandemic world is i love online shopping yeah worse I love Amazon Prime. Talk about forgiven, not politically correct. But there was nothing like a little quarantine to bring a parade of little boxes coming to my doorstep. And because I took a job in the middle of March, which promptly sent me home to work at home, I decided I was gonna up my Zoom game. So you can imagine my delight when the box arrives And in the box, I know, is my brand new Logitech high-definition webcam. So I carve open that box, and all these packaging materials fly out into my room. You know, the little plastic air pillows? They're everywhere. But I pull out this case, and it is a hard plastic, clamshell, heat-sealed case. I've had to get into these bad boys before. And I know that inside there is my webcam. So I'm going to need some tools to do this. I start with scissors. Now, I start carving at this plastic. You know this hard plastic, right? I start carving at this plastic, till I think I have blisters on my fingers, or my scissors aren't sharp, or something is wrong. And a little triangle of plastic finally pops off this case. And it's just enough so that I do what I probably shouldn't. I get my fingers wedged in between the plastic, and then I, and then I get my other hand in there, too, because I am going to pull this mother apart. <laughs> right and as i'm pulling it and pulling it i i can feel the plastic cutting into the inside of my knuckles i see blood start to drip down this plastic case and i'm yanking on it i'm really yanking on it and i finally get it and it pops open, and everything inside, all this packaging goes flying on top of these little pillows all over my house, and I, and I see the webcam shoot out, and now it's hanging by its cord, kind of like a fish on the end of a line, but that's okay, because I yank that thing out, and I put it in my computer, and I set the webcam on the monitor. I am going to do my next Zoom meeting in high definition, Except I don't see myself. I see a lot of static. And I realize I might have to read the directions. I look around everywhere through all this flotsam. I find a little book, 37 pages in 37 languages. It says, go to the website. So I go to the website. 5.5 page views later, in the small print, it tells me that this webcam is not compatible with my operating system. (laughs) And that's when I realize, oh shit, I've got to return the webcam. (laughs) And here it is, my friends, in our forbidden world, the four stages I enter the four stages of online consumer grief. (laughs) And the first one is panic. Oh crap, I've gotta wind this thing up, I've gotta get it back in the packaging, and I probably have to disinfect the whole darn thing and get it back in the box and I'm never gonna be able to do this. And that's when I enter the second stage, which is denial. Hey. It was only a hundred bucks. Three o'clock, I've got a break. I can watch some YouTube videos because somebody has figured this out ahead of me. Maybe an upgrade, something like that, no problem. And that's when I enter the third stage of online consumer grief, which is anger. What asshole, what asshole designs a webcam in this year that is not compatible with one of two universally accepted operating systems, really? And finally, I hit the fourth stage, acceptance. I can do it. I'm not going anywhere. I've got all the time in the world to make sure that this thing gets back in its case, cleaned up, taped in its box. And as I put the return label back on the box, I think to myself, I've learned two things. One, are we not done with all this excessive packaging? (laughs) Really? And number two, in this forbidden world that we have entered into, it's not just shopping. It's gonna take everything we've got, our acceptance, our patience, our compassion, and our kindness to make it in this new world.
0: Let's hear it for Ruth. That was great, Ruth.
3: Steve R. So earlier today, I asked my girlfriend if she was going anywhere tonight. And she's like, yeah, we're going to story, story night. I was like, oh, well, what's the topic? And she's like, forbidden planet. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? And she told me some stuff and that didn't help at all. So then I started thinking about (laughs) things that were forbidden in my past, right? I grew up in a fundamental religion where all kinds of stuff was forbidden. We loved having things that were against the rules, like swearing, and birthdays, and Christmas, all that good shit. So what they did for me, though, was they made me really good at questioning authority, because the laws of man and the rules of man didn't really apply to us. So I got into that, and I remember... Well, one one thing I did was I questioned evolution, right? Because I kind of got that the finches' beaks could be a different size, but I really couldn't wrap my head around how a fucking wolf came out of a whale. Like, I just couldn't get there. So, when I was in eighth grade, my General Motor Repair teacher told me that you could drop a match in a bucket of diesel and a match in a bucket of gasoline, the diesel would go out and the gasoline would explode. Being someone that needed to question things, I was going to test this shit. So I go and get myself a bucket of diesel, right? And I'm like, okay, either it's going to explode or the match is going to go out. We're going to test this out. So I'm standing there, I drop my match in a diesel and it goes out. One test isn't enough though, we got we to gotta test it more than once. So I've got like three or four dead matches in this bucket of diesel. And now I have a bucket of diesel and no plan. So, of course, what we have to do now is get a broomstick and some rags and baling wire and make a spinning fire torch. (laughs) So we do that and we're spinning it around for a while and everything's going great. Eventually enough of one of the rags burns off to where the rag comes off. We stamp that out and now we've got a broomstick with a rag on one side and some leftover diesel and, you know, so of course the next logical thing is to stick that in the yard vertically and go back to the gas station and get some gasoline. Because we've got a super soaker. And now we're going to test and see if the gasoline is so flammable that the flame will crawl back up the super soaker and blow me up. Or if we can just make a badass flamethrower. So I'm pumping this thing and pumping it, pumping it, pumping it, because I want it to come out fast. I don't want it to come out slow because I don't want it to climb back up and, and, you know, explode me. So I've got it all pumped up, and I let out a little, you know, and I get this puff of flame. And then I hold it down a little bit longer, and I get like a 10-foot, you know, tongue of flame. And then I just hold it down. And I've got like this 20-foot flamethrower thing coming off this, and it is awesome. But I did not realize that some of the gasoline is accumulating on the grass, because it's not all burning. So now, I have a 20-foot-long, two-foot-wide strip of flaming grass in my parents' front yard. So I'm running around and stomping it out and stomping it out and stomping it out, and I hide the super soaker, and I go inside because that's going to work. And it fucking did. My parents never even said anything about it. They've got a 20-foot-long strip of black grass for two weeks, and I never heard anything. I was sure it was, I was going to get beat. And it just never happened. So, the question then is, did I learn anything from this? This was 20 years ago, and then about 15, eh, 13 years later, I'm an adult, and I'm working this uh, kind of landscaping-y type thing. I've got this mower on concrete. I'm filling it up with gasoline, and I overfill it, and it makes these couple little puddles on the ground. And I put the lid back on the, the mower, and I think, oh, you know what I should do? I should just light this on fire. Because it'll just go away, right? The, the, it'll just consume itself and be gone. And we're still in the garage, we're not out, outdoors. So I, I light it on fire, and it, you know, the first little puddle, you know, it's flaming, then it, it jumps to the next one, it jumps to the next one, and now the, the tank of the lawnmower is on fire. So being the logical individual I am, I'm like, well, I'll just blow on it to put it out. So I'm blowing on a gas tank full of fire like it's a fucking birthday cake when (laughs) my buddy comes up to me. He's like, dude, get out of the way and sprays it with fire extinguisher. It goes out and you know, I think maybe I learned at that time. We'll see, life's not over yet. I still have my eyebrows. So there's that. There's still goals to accomplish. Um, And I'm, I'm gonna end my story now with a quote from my buddy Joe who was frying on mushrooms while we were getting pulled over by the cops. And he said, you know, they're only rules if you believe in them. Alicia, everyone.
4: So for the record, I am Steve's girlfriend. So it is funny that I'm called next. (laughs) And it's actually also pretty funny that we have a table full of sex toys over here because I'm gonna tell you about the time I worked At a sex shop. There are a couple different kinds of sex shops that you'll see around town. There's the ones with the frilly lingerie in the windows. And you walk in and you just feel greeted and it smells like perfume. And then there's the other type. The type where you walk in and you're like, what's this sticky on the floor? I think I hear someone banging in the back room. What is that? Why are there holes in the wall? the second one and when I first went in to apply for a job I didn't know anything about any of this stuff and let me tell you I lasted two weeks I'm just kidding I'm just kidding I actually worked there for over 10 years I worked in the shop and even more surprising I actually cleaned out the nudie booths longer than that as early as 2018 after I graduated college with a real big-girl job I still clean the nudie booths because it pays really fucking good. (laughs) So the thing you learn about working in an adult shop is there are lots of very, very good people that come in. And there's a lot of weirdos. And I say weirdos with a sense of admiration and friendship because weirdos are my people. I worked at the Sheck shop for 10 years. I'm obviously strange myself. So some of the weirdos I ran across, it was more like being a teacher in maybe like a first grade class when dealing with some of the weirdos, and you can't, you'd, you learn not to be surprised by anything at all. So when you're sitting by in the counter reading a Hustler, because there's nothing else to do, and you look up, and the guy walking in wearing jeans has a well-placed hole in his pants and his balls hanging out the hole you just look up and it's like come on man give me a break you can't have that hanging out there go tuck it in and come back in and he did that's all you do when we had tweakers come in and wander the store for six hours. You'd hear their phone ring, I'm almost there. You just wait and see what happens. You're like, yeah, all right. Next shift comes on, I'm like, hey man, that guy's been here since noon. It's four, just see what happens. He was there for eight hours before I finally told our clerk, all right, go ahead and kick him out. He's got somewhere to be, I know it, because I've heard him on the phone like five times. When my friend's dad comes in, to buy some porn. You're like, whatever, I'm, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. You might not recognize me. Pulls out his money, sets it on the counter and a bag of dope falls out too. You just look at the dope, you look at him, look at the dope, look at him and he slowly puts it back in his pocket and you pretend nothing happened. So, the thing I really enjoyed about the sex shop was actually helping the people that really wanted to be helped. We'd get guys coming in, buying something for their somebody that didn't want any help, and I'm like, fuck it, dude. I'll let you buy that piece of shit. You don't want my help? Alright, she's gonna hate it. Here's your receipt. (laughs) But then there were the people you actually could help. You learned about all of the products in the store, and you actually felt good when you could answer someone's question honestly, and you knew that they were going to be satisfied when they got home. I even came up with my own slogan, because you know how they want you to upsell stuff, you know, you can't just say supersize it, you could kinda, (laughs) depending on what you're selling, you could say that. But my slogan was, you don't wanna be in the mood without any lube. (laughs) Buy your lube, folks. So all this has come full circle. I don't normally tell people where I worked. On my resume, it's like warehouse for novelty products, things like that. But strangely enough, I went kayaking a couple weeks ago and one of our friends who had no idea I worked at this place for so long just floated up and she's like, hey, I got this new boyfriend. What do you know about butt stuff? I'm like, butt stuff, huh? What do you want to know about butt stuff? Now that's that's the real question here. What do you want to know about butt stuff? I can tell you about butt stuff. So I, I helped someone else perfect, full circle in the sex shop world. And now there's a table full of sex toys, butt stuff? I don't know. Thanks. Dave Lee.
5: Good evening, folks. Uh, I've I've been up here before, uh, so I'm getting to be kind of a veteran here, but this time, Uh, It was a little bit more nerve-wracking than usual because I had to sign up when I bought my tickets and uh, That was what usually when I've been up here before I get inspired with some story as I'm listening to the others And it's always a spur-of-the-moment thing and when I signed up uh, I didn't really have a story in mind So it made me kind of nervous And as the time got closer, I was like what if they call me and I haven't thought of anything. I'm going to feel like a kid that hadn't done his homework. <laughs> I've been out of school for a long time, but that's still an all too familiar feeling, and I didn't want to do that. So I'm getting, I, I'm, I, I'm getting a little nervous over the weekend, and I think maybe I ought to do some homework, come up with an idea for a story. and. Uh, I hadn't seen the movie, Forbidden Planet, and I know Jody sent an email with some suggestions, and he said, oh, by the way, this movie is based on Shakespeare's The Tempest. Well, that didn't help me at all. (laughs) 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 So I decided to do some homework this weekend. I didn't read The Tempest. I rented the movie. And the thing that struck me most about the movie, as mentioned before, it had Leslie Nielsen, who I know from the Naked Gun movies and the airplane movies. And and kind of another parallel there in the airplane movies, I think he was the captain of the plane. And in this movie, he was the commander of the spaceship. So there were some similarities there. And of course, he looked a lot younger, but his voice was real similar. So I was, just for the whole movie, I was, waiting for him to give an order and follow it up by saying, and don't call me Shirley. (laughs) So anyhow, I watched the movie. I liked it. And at the end of the movie, I still didn't have an idea for a story, but thought about it a little more. And I don't know, thinking of old movies, old movie stars, stars, I started thinking about uh, old TV shows. And this may seem like a... Non But I started thinking of a TV show I liked when I was about 10 or 11 years old, uh, a show called Love American Style. Uh, This was a show that, it was a comedy show, it was on Friday nights, and uh, had a different cast every week of whoever the popular stars of the day, and they did just little different skits on the subject of love, which of course we know for 1960s mainstream television means sex. Uh, But anyhow, I come from a very old-world, traditional values, Catholic family, and somehow I probably ended up the most sheltered and naive one of the bunch, but nonetheless, I like this show, and at one point my mother caught a part of it, and she decided she did not like this show. It was too suggestive. Uh, So, I didn't usually get to watch the show. But, now and then, my parents would go out on Friday nights. And on those nights, I'd enjoy my little 10-year-old forbidden pleasure of watching Love American Style. (laughs) Bear in mind, this was a couple years before I discovered where my brother kept his Playboys. (laughs) But anyhow, so, I, I'd enjoy that sneaky little forbidden pleasure, but but no, I didn't let my mom know that was forbidden. Well, nowadays, I still get my TV the old-fashioned way through an antenna with the over-air channels, and there's a lot of channels on now, and I don't know if you know about this, but there's a channel called Decades, which has a lot of the old shows, has a lot of old Ed Sullivan shows, which by the way is worth watching, that's a kind of an aside. But they also, on weekends, they do these marathons of some of the old time TV shows and just sh- show episode after episode, a whole weekend long. And as it happened, this was early on in the pandemic and the shutdown phase, they were actually rerunning a whole weekend of Love American Style. <laughs> well, folks. If you're going to have to stay at home, I tell you it's not it's not a bad way to stay at, if you have to stay at home to stay at home reverting back to your 10year-old self and indulging in that forbidden pleasure Thank you folks
6: Carol Faulkner so I want to go back to talking about Forbidden Planet and why we're here tonight so uh, And I start crying, (laughs) but um, so I've gone through a lot of life changes lately, and um, with COVID, it all started about the COVID time, and I went on this huge buying spree, like we probably all did, with all the food and what we don't need, and things my pantry stuffed, and so I don't know what to do with the food, and I'm living in an apartment now, and feeding myself and my daughter and our cat <laughs> so I can have this food just coming out, uh, don't, just falling out of the cupboards, right? So after the six months, I also decide I'm gonna go and get my hair cut for the first time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talking about hair. So if any of you seen Crash, my talk is kinda gonna be Forbidden Planet crash here. Here we go, everything that everybody's talked about tonight. You inspired me, so thank you. So um, I go downtown to Boise to go to this posh hair salon that I've never been to, have $200 in my wallet ready to lay down and get my hair cut, do everything that I can to my hair, right? Because nobody's touched it in the six months. So I park in front of Five Guys, And I start walking down the street, and probably one of the most forbidden things we're allowed to do as humans is talk to homeless people, look them in the eye, acknowledge them. So I walk by this trash can. There's this beautiful man, scraggly beard, long hair, no shoes, wrinkled t-shirt, digging through the trash can. And here I am on my way, dressed just like this, to go and get my haircut. And I stopped and I went back to my car and I got an extra mask and the tip money that I was going to give to the hairdresser and went to him and held his hand and said, Please, let me buy you a meal. And he turned around, he had the most beautiful blue eyes, and he was so gorgeous. And he said, thank you. Thank you so much for thinking of me. So I went with that story, and I felt really good about it. I went and got my hair done, yeah. (laughs) So feeling good about myself after that. And then I got home. And I'm not a very organized person, because my daughter will tell you, and she is. And I opened up the cupboard, and there's dried beans and all this shit, you know, just falling out of the cupboard. And I said, fuck it. I went and I bought, Haley, my daughter, went and got a bunch of tortillas. We made beans, we made rice, we made all these burritos. And we did what we're not allowed to do right now in COVID we went rogue. And I couldn't find anywhere to volunteer. I couldn't find anywhere to give free food to. I couldn't find anywhere to give free clothes to. So we went and made like 40 burritos. And we cut them in half. And we went downtown to downtown Boise. And we started driving around. We couldn't find anybody to feed. Kept driving around and driving around. And like, gosh, where's that beautiful man I saw? You know, where are these people that need to eat? There's so many people that are on the street right now. There, we can't tell who's who. And finally, we went by the skate park for the third time. Totally, I think I was going the wrong way. And I and I saw this man. He was standing on the corner. He was a black guy. And I st- I slammed on the brakes. And Haley's like, "You can't park here." And I says, "I don't care." And I ran. And I had like four burritos. And I ran up to him. And I was like, "Can I give you a burrito? Will you?" Can I feed you and he looked at me he's like why you know do you have a restaurant why do you want to give me this food and I said because I just want to and he said will you eat with me and I said yeah that's cool so I sat there and ate a burrito with him and then we started driving around more and just more people started coming out of the woodwork and like we went over to the mission and there were people just getting out of their meeting and and they were all so grateful and we just like laughed and talked and they were like hey do you have some water and that's cool i mean it was just like regular people i mean not you know we're all people but this is a forbidden planet you know we are not allowed to approach these people that are scary and walking down the street and we cross the street even if we don't have a mask on, even in our regular lives. So I'm gonna jump ahead because I'm probably running out of time, but we ran out of burritos, which was awesome. We actually, the last place we got, people were actually asking if we have more food, so we're gonna make more. (laughs) And um, the coolest thing, and I'll tell you, and I'm not religious, But so many different stories, I'm looking at this cross up there on the mountain, and I'm gonna tell you this weirdest phenomenon that happened to me because I've been going through so much struggle in my life lately, and the other day, I was standing in the kitchen, I told my daughter, I said, God, if there is a God, just give me a sign, just give me a fucking sign of what I'm supposed to do with my life. I need a purpose, and I'm not kidding you, the kitchen light flickered, I swear to God. And. The next day, my daughter had signed me up for LCSC, woo, college, (laughs) shout out, 5K, virtual 5K. Yes, woo, woo, so we started at uh, Julia Davis Park, and um, it was quite a trip to get down there because we came from Garden City, parked our cars, all this, you know, rearranging and everything, and so we said, let's use the bathroom. Let's use the bathroom before before we go on a run. So Haley's in the bathroom, my daughter, and I'm standing outside, and I kid you not, The guy I fed that I shared that I gave the mask and the money to to get a hamburger at Five Guys walked by the bathroom. His hair was beautifully combed back. He was wearing almost like a a white skirt with a sort of a sweater tied around his waist and a white t-shirt and he was barefoot and he was... And my daughter came out, and I said, did you see him? That's the same guy that I fed. And we walked completely around the bathroom. And if you're familiar with Julia Davis Park and where the bathrooms are there, you can see all around you, and he was nowhere to be found. So I do believe that there is a heaven on earth in this forbidden planet. So thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. Story Story Night is funded in part by the Idaho Commission on the Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you to our media sponsors, Boise State Public Radio and Radio Boise. Our summer season sponsor is the Over 19 Adult Shop. Our theme song was composed by Ned Evitt. Support this podcast by texting STORYPOD to 44321. Find out how to participate in our live show at www.storystorynight.org or visit us on Facebook Also, check out our YouTube channel. I'm Jody Eichelberger. Thanks for being a part of our story.